0: You are, you are now tuned in, in to the December 26er podcast, podcast where, we where we encourage you to you be, extraordinary, to be extraordinary, extraordinary on an, ordinary, on an ordinary, day. ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delicia, and this episode features part two of my conversation with lifestyle, experiential, and brand marketing director, Janisa Babb. Like most 26ers, Janisa had a detailed life plan, and she was executing on that plan when she found herself out of a job. She ended up having to move in with her parents, who covered her for nearly a year. Janisa took the time to refocus, and eventually new opportunities presented themselves. Now, during this time, she not only started a new chapter professionally, but also personally. She began seeing a therapist and processing some deep-seated trauma. And if you know anything about the December 26th podcast, you know we got into the details of that experience. Today, Janissa is living and working on the West Coast and taking stock in preparation for the next chapter of her career, which she hopes finds her balanced and at peace. So without further ado, please enjoy.
1: And I was, my parents was like, well, you can move in. And, you know, we can help you and support you while, and you don't have to pay rent to do anything like apply for unemployment, get everything together. And we can, you know, we can figure out, you know, just apply to the job you want. You don't have to rush. Amazing support system. But guys, my parents are not the best at boosting you into like, they will, they covered me for a year. Wow. Right. And now that year isn't a little exaggerated because obviously what it was from August until maybe May of the next year, which again Mm -hmm. is a year, but, you know, I started applying to a job that boosted me up, um, and got referred from someone and was able to work in that role for like eight to nine months until I kind of got into a position that I really wanted to be in. But, um, that year I applied to jobs. I did do interviews with companies I really wanted to work with didn't work out. So it was just like the constant disappointment that kept hitting mm-hmm. me, um, didn't really help for me feeling like what it was. I turned 30, I was unemployed. I was living in my parents' house and I had no savings. Um, and that is not as an ambitious woman <laughs> where I wanted to be turning 30. And I don't think I ever got over that until probably this year, And I'm 35.
0: And you know, that 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 speaks to when you are ambitious and you have a plan and like especially when you have the start that you did, right? When Ooh. when like things are working and then it's that upward trajectory where it's like, oh, this is exactly how it's supposed to go. And you may have some bumps along the way, but because you do have the network, something else presents itself and you get into that. And it's like, okay, this door is now closing on to the next thing. You tend to think that that's how it's always going to be. Right. Like I just work hard. I manifest in the things that I want. I put out good work. I'm a good person. It's gotta work. And if it doesn't work this month, it's gotta work next month. Not.
1: I got to interview. Something's coming up. Like, and that's when that's, I think that's why I fell into a year. I don't think I realized it because my mom was literally like, you've been through it. Come back. You know? So I, I, I basically, it was a year of 30. So I ended up like going on a cruise in October. Everything was paid for. Everything that I had, I had planned so well enough that everything through January of the following year from vacations to everything was pretty much paid for. I had a good enough severance where I was able to like push my way through certain things. So at the time I was dating some, a guy that lived in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Yes, the whole, di- listen,
0: <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. That's <laughs> but- a podcast part two. Whole different <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> but- You know, and I had already like I had points from traveling, from work and different things. So I kind of made my life sustainable through my birthday. Right. And now here I am turning 30 and here's the reality of what I'm dealing with. So I was able to go on vacation in October to a cruise, pay, you know, pay spent minimal money on that, you know, that vacation, went, you know, to said foreign country (laughs) for New Year's Eve and had a good time there, stayed with friends, didn't have to get a hotel, like tons of things that worked out because again, I'm connected. I have, you know, and I have the plans and I was able to pivot and, and, you know, problem solve. And then in January, I was able to go back to celebrate a friend's birthday in a foreign country because I had miles and like, I was able to stay with friends and, you know, but the the straw starts to like cut itself. Right. I had I had friends that were going on this big trip to Dubai. We all got, there was like a huge glitch. I don't know if you were part of this, but that summer in that particular year when all I remember, I remember the glitch. I too purchased a ticket during the glitch because I had the money and I said, oh, I'll have a job by then. I did not. By the time I rolled around, I had a friend who was amazing where she was like, yo, you can just come stay in a hotel. I said, it's not even about that. At this point, it's, it's the respect to my family and my parents who've covered me. And now like I stretched it (laughs) on that January trip where I didn't really spend much money, but I was out. And now, now it looks like I'm just living life and I'm not employed and this is not real. And I just, Mm -hmm. I said, respectfully, like, I think it's time for me to start to sit this out and really start to buckle down. So I really enjoyed life. You know, I took the time. I kind of, you know, refocused. um, And then I really started to aggressively apply to jobs. And it was like, I had interviews lined up everywhere and nothing was hitting. Um, And then I got this sales role working in Remy Quantro kind of a blessing. I worked from home. I worked independently. They gave me a corporate car, a corporate card. Mm. um, And I pretty much was able to go out and about and have meals and have drinks and didn't have to pay for anything. So coming out of, you know, the slight depression and pretty much a bunch of debt from not being able to pay these credit cards that I made this whole life plan on, you know, it was kind of an easy in to continue my career. But again, I didn't really process any of the things that happened. I didn't even know that that was a value to me. Um, right. When I got into the job after Remy, um, I worked on Martel Cognac. I rolled out their um, their national influencer program. You know, India actually brought me into that project mm-hmm. and I worked there for two years. And that was that was a ride. If You know her story on that. That was a ride. And it was a beautiful ride. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was very life changing, but also a lot of the internal frustrations that I had built through all the tension points and all of the trauma previously was still sitting in me. Right. Um, so no matter what would happen, I would just be frustrated. I would just be so angry. I would have so much, um, spewing in me. And like, you know, as I turned 30, there's a checklist of things you do. I would check this person. I want to go to therapy. I want to, I want to figure out, like a check a check mark of like all right I have friends who gone to therapy people start to talk about it you know you're getting older people that's like a it's not even a buzzword yet like it is today. Um and I kind of didn't get around to it. Um and then as I got into you know the Martell job I was like okay we have full medical here we're doing all the things let me go get checked out I went to a doctor she asked if you have anxiety I said yes. She says I have a person for that and that's how I found my therapist. Mm. <laughs> and like, I didn't even reach out to her until the next year when I was running out of FSA money that was sitting there so I can't go to therapy. And I just was like, it was April, literally FSA money was running out like May 30th. I ended up finding an appointment in like the middle of May. She was like, well, okay, cool. I was like, no, 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 just, I have, can I just like pay for all of the sessions you're recommending I do now? (laughs) Um, She's like, really? I said, I have FSA money. Let's just use it. She was like, okay, <laughs> and boom. And that's how I got to therapy. And that's how I started to realize all of the things that have happened to me mm-hmm. till this day that related to personal things, but also related to work trauma. Um, and that is that is a whole chapter of itself that has been amazing.
0: Yeah, be challenging <laughs> though, right? Because I think what people don't realize is that by the time you get to therapy to unpack all of this stuff, because you've been moving and like putting a Band-Aid over it with the next success chapter, you don't realize that the wound never healed correctly. So then when you get in and you've got to dig all that stuff up, it's revealing the infection, for lack of a better term, Ooh. underneath, right? And just like anything that hasn't healed correctly or has been infected, it's painful, Right? right. It has to be cleaned out before it can actually heal in the way that it's supposed to. And, and so you almost feel like you're reliving whatever it is that was just beneath the surface. You now have got to talk through it. You've got to process all those emotions, uh, that you may not have had the time to process before. or couldn't identify. or couldn't name. Yeah. So it's, it's like walking through the Valley a whole second time.
1: But I was also walking through the Valley of real life. Mm. A whole time. <laughs> At the same time, I decided to get into therapy. <laughs> so I think like the way it happened um, was interesting. Just interesting. Again, things for me, as you've heard from my, my journey, from even a professional standpoint and a personal, mm-hmm. things just happened to me the way they're supposed to. My mom said it best, right? And even my, like, my biological father said it. He goes, you're blessed and blessed people, you know, because you're not lucky. Luck, luck runs out and you're blessed. That means that what is supposed to happen is meant for you is going to come to you. And mm-hmm. you've just been blessed your whole life that if you are in the path you're supposed to be in, things come towards you. Never really got it. I'm starting to get it now, mm-hmm. right? Um, I started therapy May of 2019. Um, I literally was, I'm, um, I, I, 2019 till now, I, in 2019, I started therapy. I end up moving to LA, um, starting a new job, and have been living in LA since October 2019. 2019 mm-hmm. was just like, an immense crazy year. So it started off with me hating the job I was in. I was no longer working on Martell, but I also got put on a bunch of different projects. I ended up working for Coca Cola Company and doing like some pitch work for them, which is where I, I ended up sitting in this planning meeting. And that's where I met my now my now boss, where she started her own company just a year before that and was like, yo, you should come work for me. I was like, I don't want to move to LA. I'm, that's not in my plans. And she's like, no. That was February 2019. We didn't talk until July 2019. That's how long mm-hmm. it took. It took a call from my 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 um my mentor who brought me into the spirits game who called me and said, yo, move, go sip, sleep on somebody's couch. If you don't like it, move back to New York. Your your parents will be there, the house will be there. It's not like you leave in an apartment have to break a lease. Like, be, like go try it. Like would fine? Okay, have a conversation. And I mean that all stems looking back at it from work trauma. Like, why would I want to leap anywhere? Right. You know? Um and at that time in therapy, like I didn't even, hadn't even started therapy. I started therapy in May 2019. Mm-hmm. So like that year was like, when, you, when I look back at it, like I really hated the job I was in, but that job got me to work on a dream brand I never thought I would work on. I was working on Coca-Cola. I went to the Coca-Cola campus, like traveled, mm-hmm. like things that like you have to start to really take a step back and understand the blessings that happen and the timing of things. So the timing of this L.A. move was interesting because I didn't really want to move to L.A. Um, negotiated pretty heavy, um, moved out here, took the job August 2019, moved out October 2019 and continued in therapy virtually ever since, but didn't really open up the way you should. And I called my therapy and like my stuff. The unpacking for me is a closet, a walk-in mm-hmm. closet with multiple shelves that you have to use a ladder on Like, that's how much things I have, because I pack things away. I don't even, I don't even like put anything over a wound. I am literally walking around wounded because I pack it away in a box. I don't label it, but I put it on the shelf. I Mm. put it on the shelf. I put it on the shelf. I wasn't dealing with no feelings. I wasn't reflecting on anything. I was just out here. Just like my, my perfect consensus to it is like, I told a friend, um, end of last year, I said, I don't know. Therapy was about feelings. G what did you think I said I thought therapy was and this could be my immigrant self okay I am a whole immigrant auntie but a whole 25 year old spirit at the same time forever and ever I said I thought it it was a place you went to make sure your brain worked make sure you thought about life balanced make sure I didn't I had I knew no one in my life that went to therapy except my aunt because she ended up getting you know, pregnant at like in her late thirties and forties, right. Early forties and developed severe anxiety, like having mm. panic attacks. So she had, she had to go to therapy to unwork that. So my only example is there was a problem. You go to a therapist and they fix it. That was it. Didn't even know. Technically that is it, but I didn't really know what it was to fix. Um, and I do attribute my background in being Caribbean and just Cause I'm now being therapized, <laughs> looking at mm-hmm. my grandmother and looking at my mom and just seeing we did not come from a place. We were we are a family full of love and expressing love. But what what the other side of love is, we didn't really touch that, right? We didn't talk about the, the feelings, we expressed it, we showed it, cooking, gifts, spending time, but we never talked about the hard things, right? right. We never like, no one no one knows boundaries in my family. No one at all. That's just not even a word that exists. Um, and it's like, mm, you're acting such, you're doing this. Oh, you, that's what you get to a boundary. You're like, mm, you think you're better. Uh, like, you don't ever want to do. No, I don't want to do that because what, I don't want to do it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. and that, that's how I was as a kid. And that's why people didn't really like me and my family because I was like, I don't want to go. Like, well, I had, a, I had a, 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 like a conflict with an aunt when I was 11. And I literally locked myself in the bathroom and I said, I'm not talking to you. You're blaming me for things and you're not listening to me. And you're not allowing me to say what I need to say. You're blaming me for things you don't even know who did it, and it wasn't me. I wasn't even around the situation. You won't let me explain. You keep telling me it's me. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I left myself in the bathroom for three hours. Mm. Promptly realized someone was around. Walked next door. They said you're good. I said yeah. I need to call my mother. Call my mother. I said, "Mommy, I want to leave tomorrow." What? I said, "I, I need you to get me a flight." She's a flight. So I was like, I "Need you to get." I don't want to be here anymore. That's probably not my bravest moment. Like as a child. Wasn't the most, but it's looking at myself as an adult, like probably the best boundary setting i would ever did in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, from a protective standpoint, I got myself out of a situation, you know, protecting myself from an adult that I felt was treating me unjustly. I didn't really like how my, my cousins were treating me and I got myself out. Though so it wasn't expressing feelings and having a conversation Right. You know, at that time, the best I can do was be like, I don't want to be in this space anymore. I am uncomfortable, and I got myself out. And I kind of attribute that to being probably one of the the latter moments of me sharing a bunch of feelings. <laughs> but you know, getting into therapy has been it's been quite quite crazy. So I actually stopped doing therapy in May twenty twenty, mm-hmm. having a conversation with my therapist at the time, where like she was doing a personal shift in her schedule. She was like, I got to practice what I preach. I'm going to cut down on my hours and my days, and I'm also going to, you know, lean into the practice I want. And I'm only going to do weekly um, clients. And at that time, I was really thinking about our conversations and said, I really want to move to biweekly therapy mm. every single Friday, outside of her vacations, my vacations. Every single Friday since I dug deep in since lockdown in 2020, so March 2020 until May 2021. I was going to therapy every single Friday. I blocked it on my work calendar. I even told my boss, which I shouldn't have had to, but I had to in this work instance. Mm-hmm. I have therapy at these times. I pay for her. It's hard. I cannot reschedule her because she was booked and busy. So I can schedule anything after blah, 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 So it like people at my agency, my now agency know that like, no, 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 don't talk to me. Like don't even schedule time. Like, and I would block out an extra 20 minutes so I can decompress as well. Of course, of you course. Know? Um, and just working through that. And I think one of the things in digging deep into self-care, because that was my reaction to lockdown, to be honest, I was just like, whew, sure you don't have to travel. Cause I had a crazy 2019. I had to move my whole life. I had to find an apartment. Then I went to Africa for half of December. I just was moving. Mm-hmm. So to me still, I was grateful. I didn't get nervous. I actually was welcoming it. And then I started to like, think about what can I do to keep myself sane? Cause I don't want to be outside anyway. Right. So I did Work out. I said, let me start to do. Th-. I started to like take notes. I started journaling again. I started to like do it like I was doing a class. <laughs> Ambitious. OK, just always <laughs> doing the most. But um, and it really helped me open up more um, because I think whatever I was doing previously was just recapping each week. Mm-hmm. Kind of like laying out a lot, a long foundation. Um, it took me a lot longer to open up to my therapist and I think other people um, as much as I wanted to be there. I didn't really know the work or what I wanted to do, and I think I had to find my journey to to that. But it was 2021 after finally getting comfortable and kind of opening up about some of the backstories, where all of the back of the closet that you have to climb on the ladder, all that started to hit. So I think like it really started with work. So work in 2020 kept being I did not get along with my founder at all, mm. um, and Because of that, and and a reason for that is because she represented, she was a senior person who was Black that, like, kind of controlled, and she, you know, the way things were, were small agencies, she was kind of very, like, controlling all the different movements and things. And it brought a lot of work trauma. I didn't, I did not trust Black folk in the workplace. Unless I vetted them, I had already, they're already from, like, I had long, existing, consistent series of interactions with them. I would not so brought up a lot of things. And then she's like, you and she and I are not the same. I'm a very cerebral, like over communicator, like kind of person. And she's not, she's mm-hmm. a very much like creative detail. I like, can talk more to her points and write it or speak it articulately. And like, it was just a huge conflict. So that started to open me up to have to be vulnerable in the workplace because I was a senior leader, more, you right. know, one of the most senior leader and understand that is needed for leadership, but also starting to set boundaries, right? And that started to come out. Um, And I started to realize I'm here in this place, in this role, in this time to unpack all of the work trauma. And it came out in this current job, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, of all the things and having to say to her, the way you're speaking to me gives me anxiety. I do not like it. It triggers me. And I I prefer not to be communicated like that. You know, I understand that you are frustrated. I said, but that does not give me what I need to do my job. Mm. and whoo therapy just gonna say it everybody gotta do it um and then it led into other things it led into self-love it it led into confidence it led into things that made me realize that in the beginning of my therapy journey I was talking so much about work I didn't talk about work anymore Mm. (laughs) I was just talking about I was just venting about work and I just like this is not how I this is expensive this is an expensive like vetting. I can vent to my friends. I want to talk right. about personal stuff. So that's what I focused on in 2020 was my personal stuff. And then eventually it came out like, you weren't talking about work. Why? And I started to be like, well, I felt like I started identifying myself with work and I lost my identity. When I turned mm-hmm. 30, lost that job. I lost all the things that I defined myself as. And like find my way back to myself, Um, from then till now has been, has been that journey that I probably would not have been able to reflect on without therapy Um, and unpacking the personal things that led to the logical things that, you know, that led to all the trauma that I didn't, why I didn't bounce back. I did feel, you were depressed. You probably were depressed. Right. You know, I was,
0: yeah. Hmm.
1: Let me think about that
0: word. <laughs> but- yeah, I mean because it's not it's not a word we really throw around, right? Mm-hmm. Like we call it, "Oh, I'm out of it," or it's just a lot going on right now. We have all these sort of off. tags. Yeah, I feel a little off, or I'm not myself, or oh, I'm at fifty percent instead of one hundred percent. You know, it's all of these things. We don't have the words, and then also there's still a lot of stigma attached to a mental health label, be it depression or anxiety or what have you. And, um, I think we're, we're getting better and it's evolving, but there's so much negative connotation to that. And because when, when someone says they've been diagnosed with depression, we see that as like, you know, they're, they can't get up. Right. Or they're crying all the time and they're, it takes many different forms. Yeah. Um, so that speaks to like a lack of education. And I've talked to so many black women who are like, yeah, I went to therapy and realized that I was depressed. Right. Or I realized I was anxious or I was both. Um, and, and, and there's, there's something empowering about being able to name it. Mm -hmm. And so long as you're able to name it and say, okay, how am I working through this and how do I get myself mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy? Yeah. And I think it's, especially, I mean, I've talked to a ton of people during quarantine who've been like, yeah, I'm in therapy, girl. Like, you know, I think that's, that's one positive, like, output of this time is that people sat down. And once they sat down, the mind got to work and the heart got to work. And it was like, hmm, I, I, there may be some other things I need to unpack here and deal with, you know? And, and so while this is still a very stressful time, I think people are, are going to come out of it. A lot of folks stronger yeah. for having had the time to sit down, and log in at those sessions and deal with the, the deep things.
1: Yeah, I think that um, I don't talk crazy like, oh, I did therapy today. And this will be. I don't do that on social, but I definitely celebrated myself when I hit a year. Because mm-hmm. um, where I had ended up being able to recognize I had stuff on the shelf. Started to unpack some of those things. So I knew, I feel like that closet is, is slowly disappearing at this point. I feel like there's not much things to unpack. Um, but it's also the bravest thing you'll do. People ask me like, oh, what do you think about it? I said, everyone should do therapy. I said, not, but only when you're ready because everyone is, and it's very much like, you know, self-love and and wellness and things is such a a trending topic and active thing to do, to talk about and say, you know, but if you're really doing it, you're not going to be out here talking about it because it isn't that comfortable. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what it is that you're talking about, but when I'm in there doing the work, I am not, I am open, I am raw, and I am not trying to let nobody else understand where the hell this is at except my chosen people. Like, okay, this is ugly down here and some beautiful things are coming up and there's some ugly things coming up as well. Um, When I hit a year, I kind of just like, you know, celebrated that and I posted about it and a lot of people said, oh, wow, wouldn't have known. I'm like, okay, well, how would you have known? And, you know, people, what do you think? And I really want to, I said, listen, don't beat yourself up about it. I said, it took me... 30, like 32 to 33 years to get to therapy. And when I had decided it took me four years, took me three years to find the person. It took me over a year to actually call and make an appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, I said, it's not cheap with your time or your money and with your mental, like don't go do it. If you're really not into it, like when you are ready, commit to it and set the time. I said, it is the most selfish thing you're going to do. Because you have to spend the time doing it. And it takes up so much additional extracurricular mental <laughs> capacity that like every single thing, you're like, oh, am I triggered? You are like have all these moments. Yeah. Like you're like a walking show <laughs> where you're like, you're the fourth, you're talking to the fourth wall, like, am I like, is this everything? Exactly.
0: <laughs> and I don't know if you've gotten this far, but I'm the note jotter now where I'm like, I gotta write this down for my next <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I started that last year. I said, I just want you to know I have a notebook and I decided I wanted to really be more active in this. And she goes, oh, okay. you know, and my therapist is a black woman. Um, I think that she has her moments, but she's never been a person that makes me feel. And she's asked, you know, she's like, I want to talk to you about, you know, our relationship. And she brought it up once and I was like, OK. She kind of read my body and we've only done virtually majority of our stuff virtually that she's gets my body and like how my face and everything is to be like, we didn't talk about it. We talked about it three months later. I said, I remember when you were saying that you wanted to, she's like, I did, but I saw I said, Oh yeah, girl, I reacted. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I said, but you know, when we had like a closeout conversation, um, it just I think it was serendipitous. Again, things in its own timing. Um, she had to do she had to do. It just didn't work. And I and she was like, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. And I really started to think about, like, what do I want in my next therapist? And I couldn't answer the question. You know, I couldn't answer it. Um, I couldn't pinpoint the work that I wanted to do because the goal of moving into this next phase of decreasing my sessions was so I can actually live, you know, so I can actually take the tools that I finally created, which when I mentioned to her, well, everybody's talking about the the toolboxes. She's like, what is that? I'm like, you know, the toolbox. Everybody's talking about the toolbox it's all over the, the social medias, and like, she's like, I don't know what that is, girl. I don't even know what that is because I'm a framer. I frame things to it. So I think she adapted, you know, to me in knowing that my part of my work and me going through therapy with her and the work with her was for me to start to build my confidence. to me to understand the tools are within. For me to understand that I have everything I need. Right. I need to frame it in some kind of structural jargon, but I have what I need to just figure it out and to live and to just start to unpack things as they come and start to practice the things we did together. Um, and we kind of just had that close out conversation. I just said, thank you for like your approach to me. You know, I just feel like I needed that, you know, cause everyone, I had to, and part of it was realizing that my therapy is just different than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. I had to understand my personal work and not feel guilty about it. Um, And I think it started to happen when I allowed myself to reflect a lot more before I even went into these sessions. So I started to jot down notes. I jot down dreams. I started to meditate because I have a lot of anxiety and, you know, my anxiety isn't like super crippling, but it's decreased significantly by just her saying anxiety is fear. Mm. You think about it that way. Now you start to think about what is, what is your anxiety really attached to? you know, and start to really make it real versus attaching these terms to things that may not be relatable to you, that you're just grasping for something to attach yourself to because that's what you've always done, right? Living in trauma, be okay with trauma all the time. And I think that like, it makes me realize I I am anxious, but I'm anxious because that's a normal human reaction and feeling, right? I'm not, you know, I, I do get frozen and then we've done work of figuring out why you get frozen. Why does that happen? And Mm -hmm. it's still the fear. That's the word. That's a simple word. You can define it. And when you're afraid, what are the things you do? And like just the different things you can constantly practice. I just hope that everyone that does decide to do therapy really does it. You know what I mean? Like exactly what you're saying. Like start to start to take notes. Like this is like, you can't remember everything. Like there's so much that comes out that dings in your, in your head. And depending on the kind of thinker or person you are, like you might need to really think about that for yourself. Because I've had friends who have gone through therapy, found therapists and, you know, say like, this woman literally told me don't marry this person. She told me not to do something. And you're like, sis, that's not. (laughs) What kind of therapy are you in? Right. (laughs) Like write a note and tell her she owes you money because she's wasting your time. But, um, you know, your journey is what you make it. Um, I mean, there's some people that I know that have gotten. In literally, in like 90 days, I've gotten as far as it took me like 14 months to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had to like recognize that is not my work was different. I just wasn't feeling anything, you know? Right. It's different. It's different. I've I had emotional outbursts and I had, I wasn't, I didn't even have a release. And I had to really think about that and give myself the forgiveness and I have to practice that forgiveness in my therapy journey and then my, my journey in life. So I'm, I've been ready to deal with the things, but you know. <laughs> And I haven't, and I have not been in therapy since May. Um, and we had our, we had, it took us four weeks to try to get our like close out She's like, I really want to talk to you because you're really disappointed. I don't want you to think that I'm a I said, I know it's not that. It's just uh, like, I'm gonna miss you. Like <laughs> I was talking to you every Friday.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's for <laughs> you know, the, the running thing that my friends and I talk about is like, this is one of the most intimate relationships you will have, but it's very much finite. And it's one-sided in that this person knows so much about you, and all you know is the smattering of information they choose to give you, right? So it's (laughs) yes. (laughs) Exactly. So it's um as as beneficial as it is, it's it can be jarring in some ways, particularly when the season ends and you're like, all right, well, it was great. And now you've got to find somebody else when you're ready, right, for the next phase of that to start oh, and build that foundation all over again. And I don't really—I wasn't ready for that. I
1: think I had—it had took me so long to unpack and build that. And part of our close of our conversation is like, yeah, therapy is not forever. It's like mm-hmm. that is the one thing I said in the beginning. It is to for you to accomplish the goals you want, excuse me, or whatever comes out while we're doing the work together. And I think I—I I also conform to a lot of the terminology she used. Um, you know, when when we talked about what our relationship was like, I was like, I feel like this is you're like one of my friends, but kind of like an auntie mm-hmm. <laughs> that like creates a say, and I have an aunt that I have some of the similar conversations that I was, she's not a therapist, but I see, I'm like, when you have your moments, like you go off and like, but I know you're just looking out for me. No matter anything, it's never like I come to you with something and it's a bad move. You never said anything was bad or good. You would though hold me accountable, you know, in the, in the best of ways, you know, to the things that is what I said I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in this pushy way, but while I get there and encouraging, um, and it was, I said, I really appreciate the time. Like till this day, I cherish her. I don't want to share her. Um, people are like, who's your? I said, I don't, I don't prefer not to share her. <laughs> I prefer that you can use the same tools, you know? And honestly it was, it was different between friends because I think that like, she's different with a whole bunch of different patients. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to share her. Like, no, not with you. But I had a close friend who asked us said, I can share my therapist information if you want. Now that we're over, like we had our moment, <laughs> but I'm like, no, no. Why are you asking that? It's like asking your friend, I know y'all dated and this is like one of the loves of your life, like seven years ago, but like he's single and you, you good. Right. Like, can I date him? No, like literally, <laughs> I still reference this person for the rest of my life for X. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, like, what?
0: <laughs> you no. do know she doesn't have an exclusive relationship <laughs> with you, right? You well, don't have a monopoly her, on a therapist. If
1: we found her, God bless. It was meant to be, but not through me. <laughs> Again, if she met, a, if I had a new friend who met an ex of mine, they had hit it off and I didn't know, then it'd be like a God bless. I can't do anything about it. That was fake. But don't ask me. No, I'm (laughs) not setting you up.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) so shifting gears, describe a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. (sighs) This is the time I need that extra thinking moment. (laughs) Thank you, Todd.
1: Let me think about all the stories. A fun one. Because we have a lot of deep moments here on this recording. (laughs) Yes. So a time where I had to be extraordinary in an ordinary day. Um, So a fun work moment. I was working the door for a Martell event in Atlanta, and I was—we were pretty much doing a tour around the U.S. and major cities. The idea was that we were doing this kind of a spoke moment, where the door, you know, the door entry was a couple of like a short car ride away from the actual venue. So I was at one point you know, that was kind of heard by radio, sometimes wasn't. I would take people on a bus to like, they would never know where it was. Earlier in that day, my spirit told me something was wrong with the RSVP list. The event doesn't hold more than 200 people max, right? So the list should never be more than 250, 300. And I got like a list with like almost a thousand names. Mm. And I told my coworkers, I said, something is wrong. I think the agency messed up and I was sending emails about like what it was. It was over a weekend time frame. Most of our events were during the week. So it turns out the event, the event actually leaked and I had over 800 people standing in front of me online. And I was like, radio don't work. And apparently what's going on up the hill, apparently on the event site is the owner is like coming in and like forcing a certain type of friction for everyone. It's making it hard for everyone to do their job. Um, but I am the lead and I have a couple of girls. Thankfully, I also had another girl who worked the door at nightclubs, which is always kind of a requirement for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I had 800 people. We started check people in; it was fine. Da da Um, I had decided I need a moment. I need to talk to some people because I said, there's some, I said, here's a picture of where I'm at. Something is wrong. This leaked, so I don't know what to tell you. This is going to be bad for everybody. A lot of people are not going to get in, and there's a lot of people faking right now. We're going to have to like pick and choose and figure out what's happening, because people have screen grabs of an invite that I can't tell what, who is what and what is what. Um, so I told security, hold the line, hold everyone back, and said, listen, this is the situation. We're going to have to use our best guess. This is my assumption. Te- come to me in 10 minutes based on what you're seeing from the line to let us know like who is real or who's not. So basically, like now they're almost at capacity up the hill, and mm-hmm. I had to figure out what to do because I have like 700 people. I, t- I said, Can you start going down the line and tell her by the list is closed or at capacity? And we had to shut, start to tell people to get people to start to leave the line <laughs> because I couldn't know who was real or who wasn't, you know, and they're frustrated people. Apparently, there were like talent who were given the address to connect with me to get up the hill. Like, so I had to stop the line to hold room for everyone. Um, and then I had to literally text message basis, was like, I need whoever your contact is to text me your name. Mm. I can't, I was like, I can't take your name right now. There's something like there's a lot happening where at capacity. So I need your contact to tell me your name and your plus whoever you're with. Text them now because they're giving me 25 names. Some are real. Most of them are real, but like I just can't at this point. The list is needs to be burnt. And then Basically, I got a couple more people inside and I said, we need to close the line and start telling people to leave. People are still standing in line. People were trying to talk to me and I got on a bus and I left. <laughs> just, I security. And I said, there's nothing else for me to do here. I said, y'all to stay here. You have my number. I will text you every 15 minutes if I need to come back. I said, but I'm taking this bus up. I said, because if I stand here, people are going to still think that I'm going to allow people in here. And I went, got on the bus and got to the event and just looked at them and said, I don't know. Y'all like, I don't know what PR is going to be like, but I did the best I could. And my friend told me, she said, you're literally the only person I know that could have put to work the door because you will always deal with crisis in a professional manner. You'll be calm. You will problem solve and work with the team to figure it out. Because imagine if I just couldn't figure it out or I decided like, I'm going to let all these people in, then we would not have had room for talent, would not figure out the solve. like." PR the PR team in the venue would not have been able to like tell me who they need to make sure was on the list. So like with the experience I have and just thinking objectively and taking a couple deep breaths and walking away, I was able to kind of get some folks down. I said, "I need two more people." Um, that tour started off that way. The first venue was exactly the same. It was nuts to that to that specific event, and I think that um, being extraordinary comes in small moments at any given mm-hmm. time. Um, and a lot of times I find that they come to me when I take a moment to be still, kind of sort through some things in my brain and say to myself, what you're thinking is real. It's not fake. This is reality. Like, right. right. And then work with the people and your resources to find the best solve, because nothing you can't do anything by yourself as much as you try, as much as I've tried my whole career. You know, time and time again, it's proven that you need a team. So
0: absolutely. So looking ahead, what's your vision for the next phase of your career?
1: I am, I am going through, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am actually um, in a place where I am, you know, I'm kind of built, taking out the weeds of everything of my life and trying to sort through that next step for myself. So I've taken quite a few my um, like calls with people um, and going through my career list of things I want to do. So um, next, you know, I've started conversations and trying to move into the brand world, um, figuring out what that means for me. Um, I'm looking... For an opportunity to see where the money resides, but also be a part of um, the accountable and ownable teams that I've like had to manage into all the time um, and kind of challenge myself in a different way um, and make history and have the credit for it this time around. So um, I, again, I told you guys what my dream job was. I had her already. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next goal is to find a job where I am balanced and at peace because you know, God willing, that is where my life changes will be next, you know? um and making sure I'm surrounded in a in a place where I am settled. I know what the plan is, no matter the fact that there is no plan, that's the gag. but um <laughs> where you know, wherever I end up, I am surrounded by people at work um that I feel appreciated. Um, you know, in in multiple ways and feel that I can grow and I can contribute for real
0: um, and get back to that. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. (laughs) Um, And there were, there were, you know, we, I love when people dig into their therapy journey, because we sing that so much on the show or like therapy, when you're ready and when you have the resources, but there's so much good that comes out of the, the hard work. So I'm grateful that you really dug into that uh, because it's just another example of what we've been trying to say uh, here at the December 26th podcast. And it's so needed, um, particularly amongst us. And you know what I mean by us. So I appreciate that. I'm excited to see what you do next. And anybody, anybody in that India Robinson circle is greatness. And we know that. Um, So, so here's to the next chapter. Oh, yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. And to our listeners, you know, we love a story with some detours um, because that's real life. Like you said, there's, there's, we well, you have a plan. The gag is it doesn't quite work that way all the time. So if you've enjoyed this episode or something resonated with you, or if you know somebody going through this phase of not knowing what their next chapter might look like, like share, subscribe, tell somebody about it. Where can they find you online, Janisa?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Um Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram. I'm also working on my personal website. That's one of my personal Mm -hmm. projects to remember that, you know, I'm dope. Um, Mm -hmm. So eventually I have that up and I'll attach that to my LinkedIn and my Instagram. So my Instagram is actually Trinisa and my LinkedIn. You can find me with the name that you guys can put on the podcast.
0: Awesome. So we all about community here. So if you're looking to network, you have an opportunity, you have an inquiry. Please check Trinisa out. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delicia. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.